to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right, take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 3 tonight. Father, we thank you for your word again tonight. We thank you for revelation knowledge in your kingdom, how it works, that we understand the, the government of you. We thank you that we learn to operate in it, learn to think in it, learn to talk in it. We thank you for using us in this day and hour for your purpose and for your plan. We thank you for the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of each and every one of us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, let's talk about the kingdom tonight. Go to Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 1. It says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Notice this is a scripture about John the Baptist. Notice, first of all, what he's preaching at this time. He said, Repent, because of the kingdom of heaven is where? is at hand. So he came preaching the kingdom of God and basically the return of the king. Now, he was doing basically what we do when we're getting company here in Florida, which is all the time. Basically, when you got somebody coming in, you do a little dusting and you sweep the floors and you do your beds and you do all that kind of stuff to get ready for their arrival. Well, John the Baptist basically was here to announce the arrival of the king himself, King Jesus. He came to prepare ye the way of the Lord. His job basically was to prepare the people and the nation and the way for the coming of the king, Jesus. And then when Jesus came, he would talk about the kingdom. So John the Baptist talked about the king. Jesus was going to talk about the kingdom. Notice John's message never mentioned religion, never mentioned denominations, never mentioned going to heaven like the church does. But it was about the kingdom of God and also the king who was coming. All right, go to Matthew chapter 11. All right, Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 11. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violence take it by force. Once again, talking about the kingdom of God here, basically it's talking about John the Baptist. Jesus stated that John was the greatest prophet that ever lived. He was the greatest born of women. How many know that every person who is in the earth was born of a woman? Praise God. But he was the greatest ever born of a woman. That means he's greater than Isaiah. That means he's greater than Jeremiah. That means he's greater than Elijah. And all the prophets before him, because John spoke of the Messiah King and the coming of the kingdom. Now, if you go back and you look at all the prophets, how many know that's what they talked about? They talked about Jesus coming. He's coming. But notice John had a special purpose, basically, because he was not only going to announce the king, he was going to present the king, he was going to even baptize the king, and he was going to be related to the king. So John had a purpose. His purpose was to announce the king. The king would then come and announce the kingdom. John was the greatest prophet of all time, but notice he was least in the kingdom is greater than he. How many of you are in the kingdom? 
So I don't care if you're least in the kingdom. How many of you know you're greater than John the Baptist? Isn't that exciting? My goodness sakes. Hallelujah. I'm going to walk up to somebody and say, I'm greater than John the Baptist. They'd probably throw you out of the church. But that's what it says here in the Bible. Hallelujah. You're greater than John the Baptist. Now, why is that? It's because basically he never entered into the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God was never available to him. In other words, not available to anybody till Jesus suffered and died on the cross and the kingdom of God you could enter. So John never entered the kingdom. He knew the king. He knew about the kingdom, but he never entered in. That's why he is the least in the kingdom of God because you are born again and you are in the kingdom of God. Now notice we're, we're also greater than he is because he was a, a voice, say a voice. a voice, you have the voice. Right. In other words, the voice lives on the inside of you. He didn't have the, the voice on the inside of him. He was a voice, you are the voice. Now look at verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent do what? Take it by force. Now what was he talking about here? He was talking about people in the Old Testament who actually got kingdom benefits even though they were not in the kingdom and did not have rights to them. Like the apostles. How many know that they had authority? They had authority because Jesus gave it to them on credit. They didn't have it because they were born again. They didn't have it because they were in the kingdom of God. They didn't have it because they were full of the Spirit because they were not born again. So basically they had it on credit. Remember what he said about Abraham? Abraham believed so it was accounted to him for righteousness. That doesn't mean he had righteousness. It means righteousness that wasn't available to him was accounted to him simply because he believed God. So he was pressing into a kingdom that did not even belong to them yet. They didn't have rights to, but they were still getting the results of it because they were pressing into the kingdom of God. Remember the Syrophoenician woman whose child was demon possessed and she came and Jesus said, we don't give it to to the dogs and, and anybody else would have got upset. But notice she was pressing in so hard that she continued to press in and she got deliverance from it. Now, my God, I'm telling you, if Abe could press into it, if this lady could press into it and it didn't even belong to them at the time because they weren't in the kingdom of God, how much more should we who've been born into the kingdom of God, who are full of the Holy Spirit, who the rights actually belong to, they're not going to be accredited to you anymore. Righteousness isn't accredited to you. You're the righteousness of God in Christ tonight. You're basically the same righteousness that Jesus had. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the power. Deliverance belongs to you. Healing is a benefit to you. Deliverance is a benefit to you. And we don't have to press in because we're already in. So you see all these results from these people who pressed in who really didn't have a right to it, and yet here we are living in this day and age, and we're not getting any of that stuff, even though it actually belongs to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 19. All right, Proverbs 19, look at verse 21. The King James says, These there are, it says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. Another translation of it says, which is more easy to understand, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. So this shows you that the most important thing to God is not your plans, but his purpose. A lot of times in my life, the most important thing to me was my plans. And I was wondering why God wasn't helping me because it was my plan rather than his 
purpose. I mean, we all thought we had a purpose when we had our plans, but they weren't God's purpose and God's plans. So here it says the most important priority to the Creator is not our plans, but His purpose. The most important interest of the Creator is His original intent for His actions and for His creation. Everything that God does is to fulfill His purpose in the earth. Not to fulfill our plans or anything else. His purpose from the very beginning. Purpose basically means the original intent. It means the reason for the production or the creation of a thing. It means why it was created and exists. Basically it answers the question of why. Why a thing is. What's its purpose? Why was it created? So without purpose, life has no meaning and time and energy are wasted. And right now in the church we have many, many millions of Christians who have no idea that they even have a purpose, much less what that purpose is. Why? They're not being taught that they have a purpose here. So they're getting saved, they're on their way to heaven, and between now and heaven basically they're just holding on for Jesus, praying that He comes back, singing songs about how wonderful it will be when I get to heaven, and basically they don't understand that they have a purpose. Now whenever the purpose for something is not used for the purpose of that thing, it is perverted. So when you hear on the news or you watch things going on in the world right now, there's a lot of perversion going on for the purpose of things. In other words, you see gay marriage now being okay and all right. But the purpose of marriage to begin with, so that a man and woman could be fruitful and they would? Well, two men cannot be fruitful and they cannot. And two women cannot be fruitful and so that's not the purpose, is it? It's a perverted purpose, basically. Women were created to bring man out of man. That's why women are here. Men can't bring men out of men. So basically women bring them out. Now when abortion came in, how many know they were defeating the purpose for that they were put here for by aborting what they were supposed to be doing and their purpose for being here to begin with. So it got perverted at the time. There are so many things that have been twisted and perverted now in this world. You've got to understand that God's original purpose is not going to change with man's purpose. We are going to have to line up with His purpose. And in the kingdom of God, that's what we need to do. We need to line up with what God wants to do. So basically, the greatest tragedy in your life will not be death. It'll be living a life without purpose. If you don't know what your purpose is, you see people committing suicide. Why is that? No purpose. Why am I here? What's going on? Doesn't make any difference anyway. Who cares? What's happening? So they, basically, they commit suicide. You see depressed Christians. Why? They don't have a purpose. They're just here living like the rest of the world, but they've been born again in the kingdom of God, and they're not taking advantage of everything that belongs to them. So basically what we've got to do is understand that we have a purpose. Most unhappy Christians you see are just in religion. And what is that? They are working on their own efforts rather than relying on His efforts. And whenever you do that, let me tell you, no matter what you can achieve from God is not nearly as good as what He's already achieved for you if you just understand what He achieved for you, praise God. So the greatest tragedy in life is not that we're going to die, it is living your life up to that point without a purpose. So the most important discovery in my life, your life, is discovering our purpose, why we are here in this earth realm. It is the why for our existence. Now when I tried to find my purpose, I found out that my why was in His why. You know what I mean by that? Actually, I had to get in line with his purpose because my purpose, if I have one, which I do, is going to help his purpose because his purpose is more important than my plans to begin with. So I had to line up my purpose with his purpose. This is why a lot of times you need to study the purpose and the message and assignment of Jesus Christ. How many know Jesus came with a purpose? How many know he probably fulfilled that purpose? 
He knew what the Father's purpose was. So we will discover our original purpose and mission of Jesus through his declarations concerning his purpose and assignment. Jesus spoke while he was here. He told everybody why he was here. Number one, he was here basically to show you how the kingdom operates. He was the kingdom on two legs. Everything that Jesus did had to be the will of the Father because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So people say, you know, who was it? Philip came up to him and said, show us the Father. And he said, geez, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Philip. What's the matter with you? Because they didn't understand that he was the example of or the living kingdom here on the earth. So as we study Jesus, we will find out what his purpose is. And in his purpose, I will find my purpose. And basically, you know, he's saying, I decided to follow Jesus. Well, how can you follow Jesus if you don't know where he's going? What are you doing following Jesus? Where's he going? I don't know, but I'm following him wherever he goes, praise God. Well, no, you have to find out where he's going first in order to follow him. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. Another cliche of the day. All right, here's Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 17, the first sermon he ever preached. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or near or here. So Jesus' first public statement was made at the age of 30 after being baptized by John in the river Jordan. And he spoke and said, the kingdom of heaven is near. It has arrived. It is at hand. Once again, John came. He prophesied the king, introduced the king. Jesus came to reintroduce the kingdom of God. His first declaration was to reintroduce. Say reintroduce. Now, how many know if it's being reintroduced, it means it already was introduced at one time? So this wasn't the coming of the kingdom for the first time. It was coming of the kingdom for the second time because it came when God created Adam and Eve in the garden. Basically, they came with the kingdom of God at that time. Well, at that time, then they lost the kingdom of God when they rebelled against the government of God. Jesus came to reintroduce the kingdom of God. He never came to, to bring religion. He never said anything about really going to heaven. He came to bring a heavenly government to earth. Never preached religion. As a matter of fact, most of the time he preached against religion. He never focused on heaven, but his focus was always on the earth. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. People sometimes say, you got a one-track mind. If anybody had a one-track mind, it was Jesus preached the same thing throughout all the Gospels, through his whole life. He did the same thing over and over again. People say, well, you preached that sermon before. Well, you needed to hear it again. That's probably why he's preached the second time, praise God. All right, Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 43. And Jesus said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in their synagogues of Galilee. Now notice what he said, I must preach preach the kingdom of God because that's why I was what? Sent. sent. So he came basically to preach the kingdom of God. Then he was going to suffer and die on the cross and make a way for other people to enter the kingdom of God. And by doing it, they would be returned to the power. They'd be returned to authority. They'd be returned to the purpose that mankind had in the very beginning. It's obvious that his intent was to declare, establish, and invite all men to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus knew his assignment and his success was in completing his purpose. Now notice how much different this is than what we've learned and what we've been taught 
growing up in the kingdom of God. Basically, all anybody ever told me was I, I focus on heaven. Be good so you get to heaven. Repent, because if you got sin, you're not going to go to heaven. You better get ready for heaven. You never know, you might die tonight, and you've got to get ready for heaven. But Jesus came and didn't preach about heaven. He preached about earth. He preached about influencing the earth, taking over the earth, invading the earth, coming after the earth. So the kingdom of God basically it wants to spread in the earth realm. Jesus never mentioned about going to heaven. Once you get born again, heaven is a byproduct of you entering the kingdom of God. You become a citizen of a government at that time, which gives you all the rights, all the privileges. The Bible says you receive an inheritance. Praise God. You got to go through the Bible, just study, see what your inheritance is. And then you go to somebody in religion, and they'll tell you when you die, you can have it. But it's not when you die, it's when he died. And he already died 2,000 years ago, so it belongs to each and every one of us here right now. The message and priority of Jesus was to invade and reclaim the earth rather than designing an escape hatch for heaven for mankind. Now, how is he going to invade the earth? What was his plan? He's going to do it through the Holy Spirit who lives in us, mankind. See, that member went back in the garden. He said, let them let them have dominion. What was he saying? I'm transferring authority and my mission and everything to you to take to earth and do what needs to be done. So basically he wants to use mankind. You are in the process of being a secret undercover agent from another place to infiltrate the hearts and minds of people who are here to get them in the kingdom of God and get them out of darkness, which is ignorance. Because I tell you, everybody that's being destroyed in the world today, it's based on ignorance. People in the church are being destroyed today, it's based on what? Ignorance. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Hallelujah. So the more knowledge you get, the less destruction is going to be in your life. And you can go further than that and you go to John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and how does he destroy? Ignorance. See, so what we don't know, we'll never receive from the kingdom. What you don't receive from the kingdom, you're believing something other than the kingdom and allows the enemy to get. He says, a roaring lion seeking whom he may, say may, He's not devouring everybody. Who he may? Well, who may he? Ignorant people. He goes after the ignorance that's on the inside of us. And that's why the word of God is so important. So the greatest failure in life, basically, is to be successful in the wrong thing. I mean, it'd be terrible to be doing the wrong thing your whole life for 60 years and get on your deathbed and find out what you were doing wasn't what God wanted you to do to begin with. So we want to find out his plan, his purpose, and success basically in your life is finding your purpose and doing whatever God is calling you to do. Now that's different than the world, isn't it? In the world, in order to be successful, and even in the church. In the church, it's the one with the most members. It's the one with the biggest building. It's the one with the best programs. How many know Jesus didn't have a program? See, all these things, we look at those as success. In the world, you see the movie stars. You see the rich people. You see the billionaires. You think of them as success. They have no success whatsoever in God's doings unless they are doing the purpose that God put them here to do. And you see that a lot. You know, I see it on, you know, with people who got a lot of money. All at once, they gave a billion dollars to somebody. And Becky will say, look, so-and-so gave a billion dollars. I say, that's probably like $10 to you. Right? About $10. But they want everybody to know that if they give enough money, maybe God will recognize them. Come on and get them in heaven. I don't care how much money you give away. It doesn't get you in the kingdom of God. I'm sorry. You can't buy your way in, praise God. Yeah, I don't care how much money you got. So basically, success is defining our place and fulfilling our purpose. 
The constant focus on heaven basically has kept us from being effective in our true purpose. We just thought that Jesus suffered, died, so that we could go into heaven, and that's all they're into it. But no, you are here to extend the kingdom of God. And if you're always focusing on you getting to heaven rather than extending the kingdom, you're never going to fulfill your purpose that's here on the earth. So the Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they share inherit what? The earth, not heaven. We're not going to inherit heaven. We're going to inherit the earth. So the church focuses on heaven. The kingdom's focus is always on the earth. The church wants to go from earth to heaven. The kingdom wants to bring heaven into the earth. The church is based basically talking about your works and your failings, but the kingdom talks about his works and his successes. All right, go to Matthew chapter 12. you start to really look at the Bible, really study the Bible, you're going to find out as you start to see things and believe them, say believe them. How many know you can read the Bible and not believe it? So you can just read, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it doesn't pertain to you and you start to believe it, things are going to start to adjust in your life and the way that you're thinking in your life, and you're going to find out how much stuff is here. You're going to find out how the church over the last 2,000 years has basically been bound by religious ideas and religious things that aren't even in this book basically, and we've believed that stuff, and it's bound us from doing what God wants to do. Well, God right now is opening the eyes of people in the body of Christ to see what they really are, who they have, what they belong to. You know, I've been studying a lot of things basically when it comes to what we're supposed to do. The Bible says, if you're a believer, you will heal the sick, you will cast out devils, you will pray in tongues. If you eat anything deadly, it will not harm you. So a lot of times, and I'm going to say this, but I always get in trouble, but I'm going to try it anyway. People come up to me all the time and say, I I'm, I'm sick, pray for me. All right, well, I can't even find that in the Bible. They ought to come up to me and say, heal me. Because I'm not called to pray for you, I'm called to heal you. I'm not called to play with the devil in you, I'm called to cast out the devil. Do you see? But since our thought life is, pray for me, pray for me, pray. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying nobody went up to Jesus and said, pray for me. They said, would you come and heal my son? And they came to him because he was going to heal. They actually believed, actually believed they were going to get healed if they went to Jesus. Not that he was going to pray and it was 50-50 and sometimes it works and sometimes they don't. And it's put us in a mindset to where when we pray for people, it's almost like a roulette reel. We slide it and if it comes on delivered, yay. And if it goes to sometime in the future, come on, ain't that the way we think? Well, I prayed for them, and I hope they got... Uh, no, no. The Bible says you're supposed to heal them, not pray for them. Well, I don't believe I could do that. Then don't do it yet until you... Come on now. Do you see what I mean? It'd heal them, crazy. You heal. But we do that. That's the way we pray. But then we take over to the natural realm, and we come in here tonight, and I walk in here, and I flip the switch over there, and the light goes on. If I slip the switch and the light don't go, don't go on, I could say, well, sometimes God turns on the light, and sometimes he doesn't turn on the light. You never know what God's going to do. He may turn it on. He may not turn it on. And you know, no, no. I would find out. Right? I would find out why the light, don't worry, it's either the bulb or it's electrical or something, why the light didn't go on. But we pray and do what God tells us to do, and it don't work, and we just say, I gave it a shot. I felt good. I prayed for him. If they die, I don't care. I did my job. I prayed for them. But notice, 
we are called to heal. Do you see? We are called to deliver. We are called to cast out. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He didn't say that just to say, well, give it a shot. Try it. See what happens. But because of the way we thought and the way we've been taught, it turns into a maybe it will, maybe it won't. Oh, it might. Maybe it will. Oh, it worked. And we get so excited when it works. We should wonder why. You see, that's a different way of thinking, isn't it? I mean, I prayed for 10, got one. Hallelujah. But Jesus prayed for 10 lepers. Only one came back. And Jesus didn't say, I only healed one. He said, no. Where's the other nine that I know I healed? Didn't they even come back? See, we'd say, praise God, 10%. We're moving up. It was 8% last month. Because he thought differently. Do you see? He thought differently than we did. Yet we are supposed to do the same works that only greater than he. But we're not. See, sometimes you've got to understand, is the Bible true or it isn't? Either this is just a book or this is really supposed to be working or something's supposed to be happening. So praise God. I mean, we're supposed to be healing people, not necessarily praying for them. Now, you can pray them, get them healed, but I'd rather just get them healed if I wouldn't have to pray. See? Cast out devils, we cast them out. We do these things. Why? Because that's what we're told to do and we're commanded to do. And you, and you don't have to wait for the power of the Holy Ghost over a 50-year period because it says, when the Spirit comes upon you, ye shall receive I've been praying for power and praying for power. Did the Holy Ghost, is he in you and on you? Yes. Well, how do you know when you got power? A goose bump. No, you've got power, praise God. That's why when we lay hands on people in here, basically they get touched. Why? Because I believe they're going to get touched. And people come up and believe they're going to get touched. And, and it's just the power. It's nothing special. It's just really saying, God, you're right. There's power in me when I lay hands on people. It's going to touch. But you're, you're right. I'm done arguing with you. Uh, whatever what you want me to do, praise God, you do it. But notice, it's in the Word. Say it's in the Word. Word. All right, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus said in verse 28, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So he says, here you go. The, the reason why I cast out demons by the Spirit of God is because the kingdom of God has come to you. Has the kingdom of God come to us? Then a sign of that is to cast out devils, heal the sick. Now, we don't have any problem with praying in tongues, do we? I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to pray, try to pray in tongues. I'm going to try to step into it. No, it's one thing we've got now. You pray in tongues. Whenever you do, you, you can turn it on, you can turn it off. It's the same way with everything. Everything's in that verse there. So this verse indicates that the return of dominion power that Adam lost is going to be returned to the earth. Jesus came to earth to bring a kingdom, the governing influence of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Basically, the kingdom is God's rule over people's lives or God's rule over your life. How many of you know God wants to rule over your life? Now, why does he want to do that? Does he want to do that because he wants to be a dictator? Because he wants to be a commander? No, because he created you, and he knows what works best in his creation. So if i got a, a GE wash machine, and it breaks down, I'm not going to take it to Whirlpool. I'm going to take it to GE. Why? Because GE built that thing, and they know how to fix that thing, well, when things in my life basically aren't lining up, then I want to go back to the creator who is God, and he will fix in my life what's there. So I want to line up with the kingdom of God. I want to do it in my friendships. I want to do it with my enemies. I want to do it with the people around me. I want to do it in my money, my finances, which is really his money anyway. 
So I want to line up. I want to find out how to do these things. I want his rule in my life because he knows best of what to do in my life. So he brought the opportunity for all mankind to regain its lost dominion on the earth through receiving somebody by the name of the Holy Spirit. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, he is basically your connection to heaven. That's your connection. Without the Holy Spirit, you really have no connection. You got the Holy Spirit and the Word. So the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you. How many know he knows God's thoughts? He definitely knows God's ways. He definitely knows what to do. So the Spirit of God is in you, in your spirit, and he's showing you how to do things in line with the kingdom of God. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. But, say but. But the word of God that you read and do will line it up because the word is basically God's ways and God's thoughts. So whenever I read this, it's God's thoughts written down on paper. That's why it's such a good book. You know, it's not a storybook. It's not anything else. It's God. God. God had to get his thoughts into us or he had somebody write them down. He had to get his ways into us. He had somebody, he had to get the promises to us. He went ahead and he wrote them down, praise God. So they're in the book here and that's how we find out and we do that through the spirit of the living God who's on the inside of us. He's also God's ability. Say God's ability. Say not half, not a bit, all of it. So you've got all God's ability in you. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, would that be a resurrection spirit? Yeah, now dwells on the inside of you. And he will what? Number one, he will quicken, make alive your mortal body. Hallelujah. So basically, hallelujah, he's, he's responsible for keeping my body as long as I'm doing everything lined up, keeping it strong, keeping it moving, keeping it going, doing all those things, because he's in us. And how many know he will flow out of you? The Bible says, out of heaven shall flow. No, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But we're praying for heaven to do something when we've got the Spirit of God on the inside of each and every one of us. See, the, one thing about the gospel, it's supposed to be good news. We've lost that. We call it the gospel. Don't understand? Gospel means good news. Good news is not I'm a worm. Good news is not I'm a failure. Good news is not I can't do anything. Good news doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not going to do anything right. No, good news is good news, praise God. So as you read it, you've got to understand it's good news. Adam lost everything that God gave him by rebellion. Jesus has recovered it and restored it to anybody who wants to take advantage of what they now have. So Jesus came to earth to announce the arrival of the kingdom and to establish it in people's hearts through his death and resurrection. And also he provided an entrance, didn't he? He gave us an opportunity to get into the kingdom of God. So all those who believe in Jesus and follow his ways, he restores to them citizenship. Say citizenship. How many, how many you know citizenship's important? It's an important thing. If you know your rights, if not, it's not really anything anyway because you don't know what your rights are. You can see how important citizenship is. Just go to the southern border. People have come from miles and miles and miles. What for? To try to get citizenship in a better place. Well, the kingdom of God is a better place. So when you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you should look like somebody who's living in a better place rather than somebody who's still over here on this side. But you do that by taking advantage of the rights that Jesus has provided for us. It makes you a son of God. You're now in the family of God. Say, I belong to the family of God. People say, I ain't got no family. Oh, yeah, you do. It's a bigger family than you ever thought about because your daddy had got a bunch of kids running around out here. Praise God. Come on. And not only that, a family, it's a royal family. Hallelujah. So you can now represent him and the government of heaven, not only basically in talk and in everything else, but also in power. Say power. And that's what we're going to see coming in the near future. We're going to see something called power. Say power. power. 
And why is power important? Because basically the kingdom of heaven is not in meat and drink, but it's in power. Say power. And besides, with no power, how are you going to do what the kingdom tells you to do? Heal the sick. I would. I ain't got no power. Cast out a devil. I'd like to, but I ain't got no power. Rise up above that circumstance. Speak to that storm. Why? I ain't got no power anyway. So power is important in our life. If we're going to demonstrate the kingdom of God, it's very important, basically. So that's what power is for. Everybody in their heart wants to be able to control their own circumstances and situations. How many of you want to do that? And we're all looking for ways to do that. We're looking for a, a great help book that somebody else wrote that don't even know God who's going to tell you how to do things right when he don't know God from a horse. Praise God. It don't make any difference. So he's not going to help you, is he? He's not going to do nothing for you. So, so we try to get a bunch of money. Why? Because that's going to do it for us. I know billionaires out there who are shooting themselves, so that can't be the answer. Out there having divorces anyway, out doing all that stuff. So it's not money. It's not fame. It's not all this stuff. It's being in the kingdom of God and being successful in the kingdom where God has you right now. You'll start to rule over situations and circumstances. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Oh, let's read the whole thing. I just can't help it. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. All right, go back to verse 17 says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So how did God reconcile the world unto him? Read it. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. How did God reconcile the world unto himself? God was in Christ reconciling the world. Now we've got the same call. So what's our job? Our job is... Christ in us reconciling the world. The only difference went from God in Christ to Christ now in us. The same power all the way through. Now verse 20 is what I want to get to. Now then we are what? What are we? Now this is a governmental thing, is it? We, we have ambassadors from the United States and other countries. They're there. So this is a government thing. He says ambassadors. We say, what's an ambassador? What is an ambassador when you look it up? Basically, God has chosen to communicate the message of his kingdom throughout the earth through personal representatives known as ambassadors. An ambassador basically is a political appointee to represent and speak for the home government. In other words, if we have an ambassador in some other country, he better be speaking what the country believes and what the country wants, or he's not really an ambassador anyway. So good ambassadors never speak their personal opinions. They may have one, but they don't speak it, but only the policies of the government that appointed them. 
An ambassador of heaven represents the Father's kingdom here on earth. So an ambassador does some talking, don't he? And he does some talking about the kingdom and in line with the kingdom rather than what's going on in this earth realm. So basically, to be a good ambassador, one thing you're going to have to learn to control is your mouth because you do talking. This is what James talked about. He said, hey, did you ever see a horse? Yes. That thing in his mouth, you put him to the right, he goes to the right. You put him to the left, he goes to the left. You got a ship. You got a captain. A captain, wherever, wherever the rudder goes, the whole ship goes. And then he says that to your what? Your tongue. So your tongue basically is lined up either with the kingdom government, which it has to be if you're going to be a good ambassador, or it's partly 50-50, 60-40, 30-70, or it's lined up just with the world. Now the problem is people get born again and they don't understand their ambassadors, and they don't understand their speech, so they talk all the time the way they used to talk. They end up into trouble because they basically drove the boat there and then they want to make God the villain because they got shipwrecked. No, that's see, that doesn't work that way. They're the ones who are steering their life in one direction or another. Then they always want to blame because you know God's in control of everything. You know, you, you just, no, see, all that's religiosity again. So God made you an ambassador. Say, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. I want to give you five points about an ambassador, whether it's spiritual or whether it's regular. Number one, an ambassador is an appointed. He's never voted in. They're an appointee. They're not voted in. And if you haven't been voted in, you cannot be voted out. You can get kicked out of your church. You can get kicked out of your denomination. You can get kicked out of your family. But you can't get kicked out of God's kingdom as an ambassador, praise God. He said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen. Say, thank God I'm chosen. So number one, basically, you are appointed by God as soon as you got born of the kingdom of God as an ambassador. Number two, you are totally protected by your government. When you're in a foreign country and you're an ambassador, when there's attack against you as an ambassador, it's not an attack against you. It is an attack against the government itself. In other words, it's not an assault. It's a national incident. Now, I don't know where we lost this because several years ago we had ambassadors killed and we did absolutely nothing about it. So you can see the world doesn't even understand their own terms anymore and their own rules as ambassadors. So you're an ambassador. You are protected. If you get attacked, basically, every weapon of your kingdom and every weapon of your home country is locked up to help you in that situation. We have something called angels who are behind you, they're with us, they're protecting us, they're there. So whenever you come under assault, there's no sense reassaulting them. Just stand back and let your government do what they're supposed to do, praise God, and they will take care of the situation. Every tank, every gun. Remember what Jesus said when they were about ready to take him? Hey, I could call on 12 legions of angels right now, and you guys would be in bad shape, but I'm not going to because this is my purpose and what I'm called to do. Yeah, he knew he had backing. He knew he was an ambassador. He knew what he was supposed to do. So you have protection. Say, I have protection. I have protection. An ambassador has access to all the wealth he needs from the nation that he's been appointed from. Hallelujah. That means the house is paid for wherever he's at. The car is paid for. Private school for his kid is taken care of. Country club on weekends to play golf is paid for. And Jesus said, why do you worry about what you eat and what you drink and what you wear? You're an ambassador, praise God. I will take care of you as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do. Say, I don't have to worry. Say, the government pays for everything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Number four is an ambassador never speaks his own 
personal opinion. He only talks in line with kingdom policy. I found out my, my best answer to people is, my country's position is. <laughs> well, what do you think about God? My country's position is what God thinks about God. How do you like that? What do you think about healing? Well, my position is. You're healed by the stripes of Jesus. So as long as you're staying on the word and doing that, you're in good shape because you're being a good ambassador. Jesus said this, I only speak what I hear from the Father. Why? Because he was a good ambassador. See, he was protected anywhere he went. He had everything that he wanted to do. So no personal views are you supposed to talk to. You're not supposed to water stuff down. How many of you know that in this day and age there are even churches watering down the Word of God trying to become more conformed to the world and by doing that basically they're messing up at this point because they're going away from the kingdom and you need to stay in the kingdom if you want to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you have to speak no, not your personal opinions but in line with kingdom policies. And number five, his goal was to influence the territory for the kingdom of God. He told us to go make disciples of who? All nations. Say all nations. In other words, we are to tell them the good news. It's hard to tell them the good news if you don't know the good news. That's why the kingdom is good news. And the more you understand about the kingdom of God is good news, you'll tell them the good news. The Bible says people do not basically repent because they're sinners. They repent because of the goodness of God. You can go tell somebody, hey, God loves you, God cares for you, and God wants to take care of you, God wants to do everything, <laughs> and then they would save, praise God. And notice they're already reconciled, we read that. They don't have to be reconciled. When Jesus died, every human being was reconciled at that time, but you have to receive that reconciliation, just like you have to receive healing and everything else and deliverance. The assignment of an ambassador, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as ambassadors, we are called to represent our government's mind, our government's will, our government's purpose and intellect here in the earth. We are charged to only speak the kingdom position on every matter. To do this effectively, we must study the Constitution to know the heart of the king. Once again, everything that we teach here goes back to one place, right here. Amen. The Word of God, the Constitution. How are you going to know what God thinks unless you read what God thinks? How are you going to know what He says? And I hear a lot of people out there, you know, all the time, well, God told me, and God said this, and what they said they said doesn't even line up with the Constitution. So it wasn't God they heard. Who was it? Well, God told me to take a break from my marriage and things would get a lot better and play the field a little bit. Oh, really? Really? Where's that? Is that beyond Revelations? Or is it before Genesis? Or where is it? Praise God. Well, the Spirit said it. Oh, He did. I'm sorry. And you've got to be careful. Everybody that says the Spirit says doesn't necessarily mean the Spirit says. That's why you need to know the word to well, who's talking to you right and who's not talking to you right. It's very important because they can give you an exciting message that has nothing to do with the Bible whatsoever, praise God, and get you all excited about it. All right, go to Mark chapter 1. Even, even Old Testament prophecy in some areas is not good to speak now. In other words, it's Old Testament. The Bible says in, in times past in Hebrews chapter 1 that God spoke by his prophets, but now he has spoken by his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ now has prophesied things, and they've been wrote down in this book so we can receive 
the prophecies that are in there. Are you following me? It's two dispensations. It's the old and the new. You don't eliminate everything, but it, they talked in the old days. What did they talk about? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The kingdom's coming. Jesus is coming. The kingdom coming. And then you get the New Testament, and Jesus starts talking about our inheritance. What does he say? Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over the power of the earth. Behold, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Praise God. He's given all these things to us. What is it? It's not prophecy, but it, it, in a way it's prophecy to get in our hearts so that we believe what's already been provided for us. Now, the Old Testament many times is telling you what you can get in the future. Jesus is telling you what belongs to you right now. And I don't want to know about it when I die and go to heaven. I'm not going to cast out any devils there. I'm not going to heal any sick. I'm not going to have a problem with peace and joy because everybody happy up there as far as I know. So I need to know these things now. I need to have them right now. We've pushed the kingdom off. Religion pushes the kingdom off till you die. Then you'll know something. I went to a service tonight that, that was ran by somebody, and basically all they talked about was, you know, eternal rest granted to him, O Lord. How many know him was already gone? Him was either an eternal rest or someplace else. And me agreeing with the prayer wasn't going to take him out of limbo where he's flying around. And all at once I say eternal rest and he shoots up. It doesn't work that way, do you see? That stuff's not there. So Jesus came and told you what belongs to you. He says, the sheep hear my voice. I wish I could. Are you a sheep? Yeah, then you hear his voice, praise God. And his voice a lot of times is right here once again in the word of God. All right, Mark chapter 1. Jesus. Look at verse 15. Here it is again, Jesus' first sermon, only a different way. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and do what? I like this one better sometimes because even if we repent, you still need to, or you're going to go right back and have to repent again. <laughs> because the reason why you repented wasn't because you were believing. It was probably because you were in unbelief. So if I want to repent of that in order to get out of unbelief, I've got to get the truth so that I believe. So he says, repent and believe. So Jesus came to reveal God's plan for this planet and for you. The first thing he said was repent. Repent means to change your mind, to change your thinking, to change your mindset. Repent means to stop, turn around, go in the opposite direction. Why? Because we have wrong thinking. And many times the way we have wrong thinking is because most of us were raised in a democratic society in the United States. Most of us were born here. We were raised here. So we have trouble understanding the concept of a king and a kingdom. God is not democratic. He is kingdom. Democracy was an invention by mankind. It was probably for a while the best government around. But as you can see right now, it's starting to fall apart even as we sit here right now. The Bible teaches about a kingdom ruled by God. A kingdom is opposite to a democracy. So to live successfully in the kingdom of God will require us a complete mind change, basically to think different, to act different. And we can even see in the United States right now with people who are coming in, whether they're legal or not legal, the thing is if you're going to go to a different country and survive and be successful there, number one, you have to learn their language. And nobody cares about that anymore. Anybody's going to speak anything they want. I mean, I go to the store and I can't understand what anybody's talking about. And I was born here and raised here. Why is that? Because nobody wants to learn the language. But the language is a very important thing as far as being one. People basically, you've got to learn the laws of the other country. How many know that? I mean, if you get to another country and you jump in a car and you rent a thing and you go down the side of the road you've been going down and find out that they don't do that, you're going to run into somebody head on and thought maybe you should have learned the laws before you did something. See? So you've got to change the law. So when we get in the kingdom of God, we want to learn God's laws. We want to learn his culture. We want to learn how he talks and how he 
doesn't talk. So we will never be effective citizens in the kingdom until you continue to think, until you continue to think like a kingdom and talk like a kingdom person. Now let's talk about the difference. In a democracy, the government op- operates by the will and the vote of the people. Democracy is the people rule for the people and by the people. We choose our leader. Every vote of every person counts most of the time. And the majority rules. Praise God. We choose our president. We choose the senators. We choose basically the congressmen. In a kingdom, the vote of the people means absolutely nothing. Your opinion doesn't even matter. The king rules. Our opinion is of no importance. Majority does not apply in the kingdom of God. Obedience applies in the kingdom of God. So we do not vote in our king. He is king. You're not going to vote him in. And even though people are trying, they are not going to vote him out. In a democracy, we want to debate the issues. We want to interject our own thoughts and our opinions. We want to protest. We want to picket. We want to try to reach some kind of compromise that keeps everybody happy. We discuss what is right and wrong, what is bad, what's okay. Basically, these things cause, as we can see, division. They cause strife. Basically, we see right and left. We see woke and unwoke. Why is that? Because there's a split and a division. In the kingdom, God's word is supreme. If he says adultery is a sin, it is. If he says homosexuality is a sin, it is. If he says that a relationship between two men and two women is a sin, it is. These matters are not open for discussion or debate. It does not matter who preaches or teaches some humanistic philosophy in the schools, which they have, in the government, or even in the church. God's law is absolute in every area. We live in an opinion world. It seems like everybody has one and everybody thinks they're right. We heard Jesus say basically that you have heard said, but now I say. What was he doing? He was trying to correct the religion that people had in their hearts and tell them what the kingdom said in that situation, in that circumstance. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but only in the kingdom of God if it's also God's opinion. In a democracy, we can protest against the government policies. We can form committees. We can organize lobby groups. We try to change the laws. We do everything we can to line up with our sin most of the time. And in the kingdom, the king has decreed the laws, and they are final. The king said, forgive. He said, love. He said, bless. He said, things that are wrong are wrong. And there's no yeah, but. Say yeah, but. Well, forgive. Yeah, but I tried to forgive, but you don't know what they did. Well, there's no yeah, buts in the kingdom. God doesn't change it no matter what they did. If we claim to be living for the kingdom, we cannot constantly be forming our own little groups to advance our opinion. Sex before marriage, okay. It's just the way it is. Living together, fine. Everybody's doing it. Gay marriage, we've got to, got to be with everybody, praise God. Cheating, okay. Lying, that's all right. Basically lying right now, you, you can get away with lying. And Back when I was young, if you lied, people caught you. That was it. Now you lie and they just go along with a the lie. They catch you lying and nobody cares anyway. Lying has taken precedence. As a matter of fact, you don't know what anybody's telling you the truth or not in this world right now. It's certainly not the news media, certainly not the government, all this stuff, because lying has taken over. Well, we've got to be a people who does not lie. And a lot of times, in other words, if you're not going to lie, if you say you're going to do something, do it. If something comes up that you possibly cannot do it, then call, correct it, or do something. But don't say you're going to come to this person's house and meet with them at 3, then show up at 5.30. Unless you've got a good excuse. Why? You're lying. 
getting quiet in here. Good. Praise God. That's the way it is. We don't lie. Praise God. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We don't do that stuff. We're for the kingdom of God. We obey the kingdom rules. When we run into problems every time, basically we try to carry our democratic mentality into what's going on. Well, I know in the old days they did that. God didn't have these problems back then. They didn't have this porno on TV back when they were. So it's easy for them not to say to watch the porno because it wasn't. No, all that is garbage. Praise God. It doesn't belong here. We want to do what the kingdom of God. His laws, when he spoke them, are laws. I don't care if we're here another 10,000 years, there's still going to be laws. If there's only two people obeying them, I hope it's me and somebody else. Because I'll tell you what, it works. Do you understand? It works when you do it God's way. It may not look like it. It may be more fun to cheat on your taxes and make that extra $34.95 that you need for the light bill, but it doesn't work that way if you just be true and honest Basically, don't worry about the thirty-four ninety-five. God will take care of the thirty-four ninety-five. Praise God, Hallelujah. So people say, well, "Forgive," but I don't know what they did to me. You just don't know. And some people say, "I love them," but they're just unlovable. <laughs> well, if you pick out all the people you've ran into who are unlovable, and write them down in a book, you better get a big book before it's over with. But notice, Jesus didn't operate that way, did he? They're putting him on the cross, and he says, "Father." Forgive them, for they don't know what they do. So we've got to be that way. We're kingdom citizens. That's the way we do it. Now, in democracy, you just blow them up or do whatever you want to do or, or attack them or go after their finances or chase down their taxes or whatever you want to do. But it's different in the kingdom of God, and we are definitely different people, praise God. So we need to come to a place and realize that we cannot fool around with God. He is king. He's not a president. We did not vote him in, and he's never going to be voted out. We just need to lay aside our democracy mindset and agree with him. He tells us to repent and believe the good news. And let me give you one more good thing. Jesus as king and God as king are Lord. Means they own everything. The president isn't a Lord. He's trying to be maybe a Lord. But he's not the Lord. He doesn't own everything that you've got, praise God. But Jesus does. So everything that we have belongs to him. So those are the difference between a democracy and the difference between the kingdom. And there's many more as you study the Bible. You're going to see the differences between his kingdom and religion. You're going to see a lot of differences. And Jesus put them in there just for the fact that we would line up basically in our thought life with the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for opening our eyes to revelation. I give you the praise and glory for Letting us know that we live in a kingdom and a good kingdom. We got a good king, praise God. We got plenty of assets. We got everything that we need. And we are faithful ambassadors for you. And we thank you for what your spirit is doing in us and through us. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. amen. We will see you. the key.